0: Off and running with another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. For the next couple of hours, we have just about all the information that you could need in rural America. All the stuff you need to keep updated on, all of the markets, and we might have a little bit of fun along the way, too. Let's let's see. Well, we've got the smiling Shaley Peters over here. We know something must be fun.
1: Uh yeah. <laughs>
0: I know that we have three versions of Al Dutcher to choose from today. That's
1: right. He had a lot of weather to talk about, and uh, you'll get the shortened version of that, but (laughs) if you would like the longer version, of course, you can go to our website for that. All right. But, uh, yep, he's coming up at 12.19 today, and um, maybe not what a lot of farmers want to hear. Not only is uh, it looks like maybe some more precipitation on the way, but... The four-letter S word was uh, thrown th- out. Not going to give it away, but... Four letter S word. I'll let you play with that one. 12.45, Rod Johnson with the Nebraska Dairy Association is on with Susan Littlefield. He talks about they've been doing a lot of work to try and grow the dairy industry in Nebraska. And so they're trying to get uh, bring a milk processor into the state. And he talks with Susan about that. At one we we're back with Fridays in the Field. We only have a few of these segments, few of them left. Chad has this week's segment up in northeast Nebraska with producer Doug Stratman. And uh, it was raining yesterday of course up there so this one's from the shop chad says and so you can catch that update at 117
0: you know that whole that whole series that uh that you guys have done mm-hmm. uh about fridays in the field was was designed from the get-go to to cover every aspect from every possible geography in nebraska for yeah. i'll tell you what that absolutely accomplished everything you set out to do i mean we've had <laughs> too much rain not enough rain too much weather not enough weather Everything has been involved.
1: Welcome to the life of a farmer. Absolutely. Absolutely Especially in Nebraska. It's a
0: real eye opener. Yeah. Yep. Jason Jorgensen on sports. Huskers in Wisconsin tomorrow night. Folks have been pointing
2: to this game for a while. Mm -hmm. Nebraska double digit underdog at home. We'll see.
0: Well, they can double down on the effort to upset the Badgers.
2: And the only other time they've actually beaten Wisconsin since joining the Big Ten was a Saturday night. Night game that they had at Memorial Stadium.
0: Ah, uh-huh. well, that smacks of a little something.
2: They're be- calling for a blackout tomorrow night. What do you to think? me, the school
0: colors are red <laughs> and white.
3: But, it's not the black sea; it's yeah. the
0: red sea. Yeah. yeah, but it's the black shirts. True. Okay. What are you gonna do?
4: Okay.
2: If you go stand, cheer loud. Huskers will need your help.
0: That's for sure. <laughs> well, they will get all they can stand, I think. Also
2: coming sport. up in sports, we'll talk about one of the uh, big premier matchups in Class B football tonight between Aurora and York, as those two old rivals will go at it. And if you like, Major League Baseball playoffs. Today is your day. There's four games. Yeah. Starts in just a little over an hour. So that's a lot of baseball. It's it is, and I, but I'm. First my team will not be taking a part of that once again.
0: I was going to say, well, the Padres so, get to watch it along with the rest of us. They do. Good seats too. All right, Scott Vaughn. In October
2: on. tradition, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm still working on the four-letter s word over so here. Sad. So I've, i I, But it, we'll get back to that later. Yeah. Uh, hey, stocks. The streak had to end eventually, and uh, stocks are down a little bit. Looks like they're going to fade from their record high and longest winning streak in four years. Energy stocks down a little bit. Costco. Is down. Costco, huge they're in down. California.
0: They're, they're down right now. Okay, We'll get more on that. All right. And it's all coming your way today on midday. Well, we've got a, uh, again, a wet ag weather forecast here for just a little while before we get a slight dry out for the weekend. Paul Perkins is here. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation.
5: Yeah, big change on the weather for tomorrow. Going to be a big switch in the next 24 hours from the rainy. And drizzly and uh, conditions that we're seeing right now. Most of the rain currently over north central, and northeast Nebraska, especially if you're north and east from Broken Bow, the light rain from Broken Bow to Columbus and points on towards the north. Otherwise, some very light rain as you head towards farther south into south central and southeast Nebraska and across the rest of the region. Maybe just some drizzle that doesn't show up on radar. Temperatures currently in most areas in the upper 50s to the low 60s, but as you head towards southeast Nebraska northeast Kansas, those temperatures on into the low 70s. Rain and isolated thunderstorms will remain likely through tonight, thanks to some low pressure in the front continuing to track towards the east. And uh, the rain. Uh, fall totals have been lowered in much of west central and central Nebraska in many locations in at least central Nebraska only expecting about a third of an inch of rain but still expecting some heavy rains in southeast Nebraska and central and east Kansas especially where there's a flood watch southeast of a line from York to Smith Center. Some of these storms could be strong or severe today but the main threat for some severe activity going to continue to be over southeast Nebraska and central and east Kansas. They have adjusted this now a slight risk for severe storms along and south of a line from about Beatrice down to Plainville and then to Tribune, Kansas. Then there's an enhanced risk of severe storms over southwest and south central Kansas, especially towards Hayes and Russell and Ellsworth and points towards. Southwest. Now we will see sunshine return for the weekend. Some seasonal temperatures as a big area of high pressure builds in from the west with some much drier air. A cold front by late Sunday night into Monday ushers in some much cooler Canadian air and a chance for some more rain. A few of those clouds. And a few clouds and some steady winds Monday night should limit our chance for some frost to low-lying and sheltered areas. Going to be a different story, though. By Tuesday night, the chances for frost will be greater with clear skies and light winds, at least in central Nebraska. Actually expecting a fair amount of frost as you head into west central Nebraska for the early to mid part of next week. Temperatures for the mid to late part of next week actually expected to warm back to more seasonal levels and some dry conditions on the way. A big switch from what we saw this week. In our long term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas starting out at those seasonal levels, the mid to late part of next week. Then we'll see warmer than normal temperatures next weekend through October 19th. And in the middle of October in central Nebraska, daytime highs average in the upper 60s with overnight lows on average in the upper 30s. Excellent drying conditions to get in the field are on the way. The outlook is for below normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through the 19th. Weather factors in the market include more harvest delays in the western Midwest and drying conditions for central Brazil. Expecting that significant rain event of 1 to 3 inches for the central plains and upper Midwest. Moderate to heavy rain in the western Midwest through the first part of next week. Going to disrupt their harvest efforts even more. Harvest already at the slowest pace in 10 years. Harvest delays in the eastern Midwest. Also going to be delayed where they expect some a little less rain, some light to moderate rain. Winter wheat planting in the southern plains being slowed by rains here at the end of the week with more on tap early next week. A surge of cold air will reach the northwest for Sunday and then quickly overspread much of the western and central U.S. by the early part of next week. The drier air, though, will help the northern plains to make some harvest progress. Central Brazil will remain dry until the weekend to help out their soybean planting progress after recent beneficial rains. The soybean planting much slower, though, than a year ago in Brazil after a record production year. Central Argentina producers in some areas are dealing with the reportedly wettest september in more than 40 years that's leading to concern that third corn acreage may be reduced a dry weekend may offer some improvement in the field conditions in case you're going to some events tomorrow dirk mm-hmm. looks like some good weather here harvest of harmony mostly sunny skies is to start off early tomorrow morning in the low 50s and then warm to the upper 50s by the end of the parade some west winds at nine so the wind not going to be a problem Great day for football tomorrow. Low for football forecast looking at sunshine and temperatures tomorrow afternoon in the low 70s with west winds at about 10. And if you're going to the Husker game tomorrow night, should be good. Clear skies, kickoff temperatures, 66, only cooling to around 59, and not too much of a wind problem southwest at
0: about 5. Well, Mother Nature's been good for the ticket buyers. Yeah, man. it's just
5: going to be a little wet for the high school <laughs> games tonight.
0: Yeah, well, that comes with high school football, <laughs> are we <Yeah>.
5: not men? <laughs> yes. All right, it
0: is... Uh, here in the middle part of the day, I guess what we need to look for is the fact that we're going to set up maybe some severe storms down along the line southeast into Kansas, right?
5: Exactly, yeah. Beatrice on into central and east Kansas, where we're looking at that main severe threat, and especially along and south of I 70 from Hayes and Russell down to the southwest.
0: All right, we'll watch for it and keep you informed here when you need weather anytime. KRBN.com.
1: may be offering some hope. I'm Shaley Peters here on the Rural Radio Network as we take a look at ag news. Export numbers for the first 11 months of the 2017 fiscal year are in and one analyst calls them encouraging. Bryce Cook, USDA trade economist, gives the export value of several bulk commodities during the first 11 months of the 2017 fiscal year compared to the same time frame a year ago.
6: For corn, there has been a 12% increase in value terms and a 16% increase in volume terms, while another major grain product, wheat, has increased 25% in value terms versus 30% in volume terms. And soy exports have been 17% larger in value terms and 10% larger in volume terms, while cotton exports have been 79% larger than last fiscal year in value terms versus 56% in volume terms.
1: 10% more than the same time frame a year ago. And Friday means we're back in the field this week with Fridays in the field, and we head up to Northeast Nebraska as Chad Boyer visits with his grower, Doug Stratman, who talks about the rain delays.
7: The shop doors are closed, and we're ready coming up on two weeks behind last year where we started our earlage. And it's gonna, we're gonna get another two inches of rain here over the weekend here, so it's just gonna back stuff up. And if you, you wanna do some chopping, the chopper and the combine will get through the cornfield, but you know, to get a truck through there, it's we're gonna need some drying time. From the about the third and fourth week of September, we got it about two inches or a little better, and then we're supposed to get about another two inches here in the first week of October here. So it's things are are wet.
1: Stratman says his concerns are mainly with his soybeans.
7: Our beans were some of the numbers were starting to kind of either you know gooseneck or you know you hope that they don't lay flat on the ground. They didn't lay flat on the ground last year but we did have some kind of you know go go down a little bit because they were so tall but from what I've heard the the bushels this year are comparable very comparable to last year maybe even a little bit better.
1: You can find all of our Fridays in the Field features at ruralradio.com. U.S. wheat farmers are growing frustrated with the Trump administration's focus so far on renegotiating existing trade deals like NAFTA and the U.S.-Korea Free Trade Agreement rather than striking new ones that would broaden the global market for American-grown grain. It is the time now to get past plowing the same fields and start opening ground in new markets, says Chandler Gould, CEO of the U.S. CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers in a letter co-signed by the U.S. Wheat Associates. U.S. wheat has struggled to find the international buyers as other countries like Russia peddle cheaper grain, and the groups call on President Trump to make good on repeated campaign trail promises of new bilateral trade deals. Allison Crane has been hired as assistant professor in Extension Sheep and Meat Goat Specialist for the Kansas State University Department of Animal Sciences and Industry. Crane will join the ASI faculty on October 23rd. We are delighted that Dr. Crane is joining the Department of Animal Sciences and industry said ken Ode, department head her training and experience will be an important addition to our team serving the livestock industry and the house agriculture committee released its first graphic this week as a part of a new series on social media hashtag farm bill facts this series is designed to help educate the public on the importance of American agriculture and the policies that support our agricultural economy and you can follow along with the series and reshare the facts on your own social media profile again you can find that hashtag farm Bill facts that's a look at ag news here I'm Shaylee Peters and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network <laughs> Again, this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher and Al. A rainy week, and we talked about it. You warned us last Friday that we could definitely see the precipitation, and we have across much of Nebraska. So, what is it setting up to look like headed into this weekend and next week?
6: Well, it looks like the models, like you said, have done a pretty good job with this system. We've gotten some significant moisture, and of course, we have that cold front moving across the state today, expected to intensify the precipitation in east-central, southeast Nebraska as we go into this afternoon. The primary focus at this point in time, of course, is with that band of moisture that sits from about north-central Nebraska into northeast Nebraska, where the heaviest precipitation has been falling, all that area will congeal and move toward the southeast as it day progresses and we are looking at the potential for some isolated severe weather in in the southeastern portion of the state as that front approaches during maximum heating and of course with overrunning precipitation uh, that we definitely are probably going to see some rising rivers in fact if we do receive the two to four inches in the southeast corner there probably will be some significant runoff because this is an area that received several inches yesterday for the most part but the good news is that at least the system appears as going to progress through the southeast part of the state and clear our state as we go go into tomorrow morning. And if there's any lingering showers, it'll be across extreme eastern Nebraska. Primarily, the event will be over as we get into the mid-morning period. Then we'll look at a clearing condition statewide. Even though we did have some cold, the cold front come through with the sunny conditions, we'll probably still make it up to near normal temperatures, basically upper 60s, low 70s. And it looks like that will last about for 36 to 48 hours until we see a secondary trough starting to move southeastward and start to generate precipitation as early as Saturday afternoon Saturday evening across the panhandle uh, the thickness lines that we're watching the magical 540 thickness line that we we watch for the potential for frost does come on the backside of this system so it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever that in portions of the northern panhandle there may be a mixture of rain and snow and if the event lasts long enough and we can get enough coal air, we may actually see a couple inches of accumulation, although that right now looks to be on the outside of the forecast at this point in time. But more importantly, as that system moves toward the southeast, it looks like it gets away from a lot of moisture, and we see a declining trend for moisture as it moves toward the southeast, and it's expected to clear southeast Nebraska as we get into Tuesday morning. And then we start to see some clearing conditions, and it looks like, from what I see, we're going to look for at least about seven days of clearing conditions before we pay attention to a system moving across the southern plains that may actually move some moisture up into Kansas and potentially hit portions of south, central, southeast Nebraska. More importantly, if the cold air penetrates a little bit farther south, then of course we would see those freezing conditions get a little bit farther toward the central Platte Valley. It doesn't look at this point like we'd see any widespread hard freeze conditions in these areas. Most likely hard freeze places would be in the panhandle with radiational cooling, and we've seen a little bit of this this past week already. Uh, as some isolated towns did receive uh, temperatures down to the 29 to 27 degree range. And that will start to begin the process as we get into Tuesday. And it looks like a fairly long stretch of... Dry conditions, at least from the model standpoint. Now, two weeks ago, we said the same thing, only to come back on Monday and see the models completely reverse themselves. So we'll watch to see if that happens. But all the long-range models from the Climate Prediction Center are showing the same thing: uh, an extended period of dry weather, which should really aid harvest activity.
1: Right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, visiting with us again this week. For more, you can always visit ruralradio.com for the Rural Radio Network and Shelly Peters.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check sports. And here's Jason Jorgson.
2: Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, ninth ranked Wisconsin has won four straight and five out of the last six against Nebraska. And the Badgers enters tomorrow night's game as the biggest favorite by any visiting team at Memorial Stadium in 43 years despite all of that being said head coach paul christ expects a real battle tomorrow night with the big red
4: i think every time you know go on the road there's, there's certainly challenges and history doesn't matter to the players it, it's you know where you go down and, and the thing that matters most is the the type of team that you're playing and the the atmosphere you're playing and we certainly know it's going to be a, a great atmosphere it's a, certainly a historic stadium and and uh you know a team that's playing well right now. And...
2: Sole possession of first place in the Big Ten West is at stake and the Huskers are entering a critical stretch with back-to-back home games against Wisconsin and 10th ranked Ohio State and a trip to much improved Purdue in a couple of weeks. Kickoff tomorrow night in Lincoln is set for seven. Kansas is hardly the first team that comes to mind when you ponder high-flying Big 12 offenses. But even the lowly Jayhawks are piling up big numbers this season. Did you know four of the top nine schools in total offense in the football bowl subdivision reside in the Big 12? led by Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State atop the chart. Five of the top 12 schools and points per game are in the Big 12, where the Mountaineers are second only to Oregon. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and the World Series champion Chicago Cubs begin the NL playoffs when Kyle Hendricks faces Steven Strasburg Nationals Park. Now, it remains to be seen how healthy Washington star slugger Bryce Harper is. Of course, he returns slowly from a knee injury, and there's no definite word when Max Scherzer will pitch after hurting his hamstring last weekend. And the other matchup tonight of the NL, Clayton Kershaw is a three-time Cy Young Award winner and a five-time ERA champ, but the lone blemish on his resume has been his postseason mark, where he's just 4-7 and seven with a 4.55 ERA in 18 games. The American League games will be played early today. Houston, who leads their series 1-0 over Boston, that one starts at 1.05 Central Time. That will be followed by New York at Cleveland. One of the top matchups in high school football this week has Aurora battling York. The Huskies have won two straight, but face a red-hot York squad that's won five in a row. Aurora, however, has beaten the Dukes three straight times, including last year in the first round of the playoffs. Husky head coach Kyle Peterson says this week's game could be their toughest of the year. The
8: physicality that they bring to the line of scrimmage, their style of football, um, the matchups are going to be pretty difficult for us at the line of scrimmage. They bring an awful lot of big kids in their
9: really physical play, and, and their style of play, you know, obviously is going to make it challenging for us.
2: Kickoff of that game tonight at Aurora is set for 7. You can listen in the York area on our sister station, Cool Radio, or listen online. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
10: A flood watch is posted through tonight for parts of south-central through southeast Nebraska. Otherwise, a forecast, occasional showers and thunderstorms in the central and east tonight. Some of those storms could produce heavy rainfall. I'm Dave Schroeder, the Check of News. Recently, during volleyball games, some students from opposing schools used a so-called americana theme celebration to send racially charged statements and symbols towards Lexington school students. Lexington's diverse student population, with over 40 countries represented, makes it a target for that kind of backward activity. It got the attention of Nebraska School Activities Association Executive Director Jim Tinniper.
3: Well, obviously, there are a lot of things that are done at ball games, at high school ball games, that many in the cheer section consider cute and. Um, a means of, if you will, building school spirit and whatnot. But when one is discriminatory and derogatory toward a student or a group of students, then I believe that crosses the line. And some of the things that were reported to us certainly, uh, from a racial perspective, I believe, cross the line. Um, As I indicated this morning in our board meeting, regardless what your political bent is, It's pretty difficult when you've got the president who uh, has been very open about uh, building a wall and a lot of those sorts of issues, and uh, quite frankly, I don't see that as having a place in education or, for that matter, in high school activities. I guess we're at the point where we feel like it's time that if that's happening, it needs to stop and needs to stop now.
10: Kansas officials are considering options if Congress doesn't reauthorize a program that helps provide health insurance for nearly 80,000 children in the state. The Children's Health Insurance Program provides insurance for children in low- and moderate-income working families. Congress didn't reauthorize funding before the end of the September deadline. A small Kansas town's effort to replace its lone grocery store is getting a big boost from the federal government. A $780,000 community economic development grant will pay about a quarter of the cost of bringing a new grocery store, pharmacy, and gas station to St. John, a town of about 1,300 people. The Stafford County Economic Development Agency decided to build the grocery, which will include fuel pumps and a pharmacy, after St. John lost its only grocery store last year. Breaking stories, weather, and traffic when you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Finding
11: ways to increase agriculture in the state of Nebraska. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Rod Johnson is a senior industry relations manager with Midwest Dairy. They're spending this week at World Dairy Expo to talk more about the need for processors in the state. And it's a great way to reach out, he said, to the industry.
8: The uh, members of our coalition include not only the Nebraska State Dairy Association, but AFAN, the Department of Agriculture, Nebraska's Department of Economic Development, University of Nebraska Extension, and then uh, also NPPD's Economic Development, and everybody that is involved has a a stake in the dairy industry and and economic development within the state. So we are up here at this this time at the World Dairy Expo, uh, looking for processing. We need uh, additional processors in the state of Nebraska in order to uh, allow our existing dairy farmers to grow as well as the opportunity to grow the entire industry. And so we have put together a campaign campaign that we're calling uh, First Mover Advantage. Uh, We have identified several what we call shovel-ready sites across the state, communities that are very willing to get involved with uh, dairy processing and encourage dairy growth in their areas, but we're bringing this message out to uh, the dairy industry.
11: Well, I know that you guys have continued to work. You've gone out to California to talk to dairy producers. You're at World Dairy Expo and and kind of explaining to them as well the good things of what Nebraska has to offer agricultural-wise and and state-wise to entice them maybe a little bit more to come.
8: Absolutely. We're not only a good place for uh, raising livestock, and dairy specifically with our uh, abundant supply of grains, uh, good water supply, and uh, our environment uh, politically is very uh, conducive to it at this time. We're getting a lot of support from our regulatory people, and we're getting a lot of community support in uh, various areas across the state. The other side of it for uh, processors, we're very centrally located. You know, they can move... uh, a finished product to almost any place in the United States within two days with our transportation system. So uh, we feel like we have an awful lot of advantages. We just need to keep getting the word out there.
11: Well, Ron, having that processor in the state is kind of the key to allowing the dairy industry here in Nebraska to continue to grow.
8: That is the the main key, exactly. We're in a situation right now where we have producers wanting to grow, and uh, there's no market for them. Uh, we've all heard about uh, the I-29 corridor and the growth that's been happening in that area over the years. But the reality is, about three years ago, the pipeline got full. Uh, there's an, more milk than there was uh, processing capacity. So uh, that, that is when we shifted our uh, focus to the processing side. But uh, I keep telling uh, the people we're working with that we're in a marathon. It's not a sprint. These people take a long time to make decisions, and so um, we just have to keep uh, putting our best face out there and uh, keep working on it.
11: So what is the ideal processor size, capacity that you guys would like to see initially make that investment in Nebraska?
8: Right now, we feel like there is about 2 million pounds of milk per day that is leaving the state. Yes, there is a market for it someplace. But uh, we'd like to see it stay here in Nebraska to uh, add economic uh, impact in the communities here instead of moving it someplace else for a value-added opportunity. So uh, two to three million pounds is uh, the ideal that we're looking for as a starting point. And then uh, once we have that, uh, we know we can grow the the uh, production side of it. So... Uh, that's Like I say, that's just a starting point, and then uh, who knows what the future could be once we get the ball rolling.
11: Are there other entities, Rob, that are helping you here in this marathon to, to get a processor here, or is it just the dairy industry at this point?
8: Oh, as I mentioned earlier, our uh, Grow Nebraska Dairy Team is uh, contains a lot of stakeholders, not only uh, AFAN, which is very strongly committed to us, but uh, Department of Agriculture, the uh, state of Nebraska, through economic development, NPPD's uh, economic uh, development people. But also uh, we've got uh, a couple of different communities that are up here with us in Madison this year uh, to uh, check out the uh, opportunities. They're looking for uh, economic development, uh, not only a processor, but uh, – the dairy industry is a large uh, consumer of a lot of other uh, products and uh, services, and so uh, even the economic development people that uh, we have with us up here are uh, running around looking at other uh, opportunities to entice someone to come to Nebraska. Well, we just appreciate the uh, support that we're getting from uh, you in the uh, media area. The uh, other commodities have been very strong supporters for us through uh, uh, some Specifically, through the uh, the Nebraska Corn Board. Uh, We consume an an awful lot of corn in our industry.
11: Johnson said that they will continue to work to bring more dairy to the state. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
12: Now, let's get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
4: Yes, what a week this turned out to be. Interesting. We're going to trade, we're going to have cattle eaters, and hogs all close higher for the week. However, uh, there are some uh, interesting changes uh, that took place uh, today, too, and that, particularly over in the hogs, uh, sold off pretty good today. Cash, for the first time uh, this week, uh, uh, quite a bit softer, and the cutouts were lower at noon. So that put some pressure on. We had some triple-digit losses uh, on the hogs couple of things there uh, with the uh, premiums that the hogs are carrying to the index uh, that uh, really put them in a vulnerable situation with lower cash so uh, pretty good weakness uh, showing up in the hogs just the opposite of the cattle cattle uh, pretty firm all day long uh, uh, open mixed really and then uh, uh, momentum uh, gathered as the day went by cutouts at noon were slightly higher Uh, haven't heard of any trade so far Uh, expectations are though that uh, packers need to come out and buy cattle and uh, that uh, was the uh, impetus behind the uh, rally the uh, uh, futures market uh, showed solid gains throughout the day though and uh, uh, finishing higher for the week and uh, higher in the feeders as I mentioned so uh, pretty good finish for the week in the cattle
12: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter through Saturday this week estimated at 632,000, 16,000 less than a week ago. Hog slaughter at 2,524,000,
13: 3,000 less than a week ago. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network and it's time for our Fridays in the Field segment uh, here in northeast Nebraska, visiting with Doug Strotman once again from West Point. Doug, the last few times we've done this, we were lucky enough to be in a field and today that is not the case. Standing inside your shop here at the farm place north of West Point, the weather has not been conducive
7: for early harvest, has it? No, um, the shop doors are closed and we're ready. coming up on two weeks behind last year where we started our earlage and it's going to, we're going to get another two inches of rain here over the weekend here so it's just going to back stuff up and if you you want to do some chopping the chopper and the combine i'll get through the cornfield but you know to get a truck through there it's we're going to need some drying time well talk a little bit about the rain these last couple of weeks have accumulated some inches of
13: rain here in northeast nebraska haven't they
7: yeah from the about the third and fourth week of september we got it about two inches or a little better and then we're supposed to get about another two inches here in the first week of october here so it's things are are wet. So with this much rain this
13: late in the season, are are you worried about you know either diseases in the field or or standability
7: or anything like that, Doug? Maybe a little bit on the soybeans because it seems like our beans were some of the numbers were starting to kind of either you know gooseneck or you know you hope that they don't lay flat on the ground. They didn't lay flat on the ground last year, but we did have some kind of you know go go down a little bit because they were so tall. But from what I've heard. The, the bushels this year are comparable, very comparable to last year, maybe even a little bit better. You know, it could be a whole lot worse. I mean, the corn and
13: the soybeans could theoretically be ready now, but just the way the season went, kind of thankful that they're not, right?
7: Yeah, um, our crops are probably greener than most people's, which, which I'm kind of thankful right now as far as even the, the beans because, you know, you get them beans dry, and then they get some rain, and then they dry, and they get some rain, and uh, that can create some of the beans popping out of the pods, so... Hopefully, our with our beans being a little greener, we don't run into that problem. Have you taken a cutting of alfalfa since we last
13: talked, or what, what's the latest on the alfalfa fields?
7: Yeah, our fourth cutting was probably half of what the first, second, and third was, but we cut it about three weeks after the third cutting, and right now we got probably about close to a foot regrowth, so we will not take another cutting. Uh, we'd rather... Let the foot that's out there. In case we don't get very much snow and it does get cold, that it doesn't freeze off, and so we so we get a good stand next year.
13: From here on out, if you had ideal conditions and cooperation from Mother Nature, how do you see harvest playing out here at your operation in Northeast Nebraska?
7: Well, we'd like to do our earlage and get that done because we can do that wetter. We do about three or four hundred acres of earlage and three or four hundred acres of wet corn. The company that comes and does our earlage has about four or five days of chopping left. I'm hoping towards the end of next week we can kind of get going and then we'll probably end up doing our wet corn and then we'll roll into the soybeans. And some years there's a lot of people that are done with their soybeans when we get started, uh, which ain't the greatest scenario, but that's how it works for us. Yeah, It's going to be
13: interesting when that soybean harvest gets started here in northeast Nebraska. How fast are those
7: processor bins going to fill up, huh? Yeah, um, like I said, they're, they're probably right here in our area. I think our corn and beans, the the bushels are going to be very comparable or even better than last year.
13: And you hate to work cattle in the rain, but that's kind of what happened for you here this week. Uh, able to get a couple of loads in and processed. Uh, how do the cattle look?
7: Good. Um, the the market's been kind of creeping up here. And so we have some empty pens, so we would like to fill them here while we have a little idle time and not in the field. So hopefully Hopefully that all works out. All right. Well,
13: thanks for being with us here this year. It's been great to follow you along here in northeast Nebraska. Thanks again, Doug. Appreciate it. Thank you. Again, we've been visiting with Doug Strotman. He's from West Point, Nebraska, and he's been our Fridays in the Field segment here today and giving us an update on how things look here in the weeks ahead for his operation. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.
12: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we visit with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Services in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So we had a positive end to a trading week in the grain and soybean futures, John.
9: Yeah, soybeans had a green week. Actually, a very nice close. Uh, About a dime off the lows from this morning and uh, it feels like, you know, the delays that we're seeing your way are going to be felt this way now, so... um you know, not a lot of corn has been shelled out uh, across the bell, really, and beans looks like we're going to be slowing. So that could have been what was behind the rally into the into the end there. Uh, on the rest of the market, it's just a very, very slow week. I expect it to stay this way until Thursday.
12: Why did Minneapolis wheat gain so much on Chicago and Kansas City?
9: Well, that's a really good question. I, I You know, even looking at the Kansas City lagging Chicago still, we're not seeing much traction there. I I just think, you know, we've covered some technical levels. There was a nice gap in the chart around 607 that got filled, and I think maybe some speculative money wanted to take a shot here going to the USDA report that we might see some demand or some, you know, changes from that grain stocks report that was a little disappointing. still think there's some upside in the the spring wheat markets given that we were at $8 just a couple of months ago, Um, but I do think those are sellers' rallies.
12: Are you hearing talk of weather concerns in South America?
9: It's a little early to be concerned. You know, I mean, they're just planting and uh, getting things started, but, you know, central Brazil, this is the rainy season. They kick into gear here. Uh, They like to get planted, you know, sometime before the first of November, uh, and then they get a nice rainy season that kicks in, And, and as of right now, the the forecasts are showing that this thing is going later and later as far as the rains that are expected. Now, it will rain there. I imagine uh, that, that'll happen at some point, but uh, what is the damage to uh, the perceived crop? And I think especially with corn, uh, they're not playing a ton of it this year. You know, their acres is going to be down. I thought anywhere is between 10 and 15% year over year. And uh, given that prices are already cheap there, um, you might see even a, a quick surge in demand that could help the U.S. export market pick up a little bit as their domestic prices rally on a weather scare.
12: John, isn't it usually this time of year when once you reach that fifty percent harvested on soybeans that the market kind of churns higher?
9: That's the theory. That's the theory. There's a number out there. I don't know if if we've we decided fifty percent or sixty or seventy five or whatever it is but they tend to say the harvest lows are made right around that point. Um, I think we got to get through this report, and you know, I I, I think lows are in in the short run, meaning we've seen those, those lows printed at the end of September. I think those, or I'm sorry, the end of, uh, end of August, I think those are going to hold. And then the ones that were made after the September report uh, are going to hold. I wouldn't be shocked to see one more surge to the downside, but I'd be in there buying strong on that one.
12: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com.